Dateline, September 14th, 2009. Hey, 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 Grant, Grant, can you see this smile? How wide is this smile I'm wearing? Oh, mate. I don't think it'll fit inside this podcast. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not doing a video podcast or everyone would really see how big those smiles are. Steve Fisher here. I've been flying. I'm very, very happy this week. How are you, Yay. folks? <laughs> and I'm very, very jealous because I didn't get to fly. But otherwise, I'm fine. <laughs> a worthy sacrifice, mate. A worthwhile sacrifice. A whole 1.4 hours in a Piper Warrior. And Steve's a happy boy. Yes, that's right. We went to the Royal Vic Dawn Patrol on Sunday. And unfortunately, the aircraft we were both supposed to go in uh, didn't make it back due to weather. So they had a warrior available, but it wasn't able to take all of us. So I volunteered to stay behind because, hey, you know, Steve Vischer doesn't like getting out of bed early, does he? So it would have been really nasty to get him out of bed at, uh, what, four o'clock in the morning and uh, then not allow him to fly. Yeah, I was uh, rather disturbed to learn there's more than one four o'clock in the day. That was uh, more of a shock than anything else. Yeah, mate. Sometimes when you're crewing early in the balloon, there's even more than one two o'clock in the day during summer. Oh, oh, I can't even adjust to that. Anyway, what other news do we have to smile about? Oh, yes. Close personal friend of our podcast and Aussie legend, Matt Hall. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Has just notched up a wonderful third place at the recent at the recent Red Bull Air Race in Porto, Spain. Woohoo! So, uh, not bad for a supposed rookie pilot. I think it's... Blood. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> I think it's legend, mate. Absolutely legend. Absolute legend. So, yes, a very happy Australia death there. And that's about everything we have for you this Oh, no, hang on. We've got yep, to do that's some about news. It. Oh, oh, sorry. Hang on. We forgot to do the obligatory um, Dan bash. <laughs> Dan who? Anyway. Ooh, wow. Now, we know the guys have recorded uh, significantly earlier than normal this week, so we're not even going to try and pretend that uh, we're uh, live in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to do a uh, preemptive strike in the great ANZUS podcast wars. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we're just going to do a, a couple of uh, quick stories here that we uh, thought you might find interesting this week. The first one here is dealing with some staff shortages up in Sydney, which are causing delays to flights and making passengers pretty unhappy. Yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, both Virgin Blue and Qantas reported delays of 45 minutes to an hour, uh, primarily on inbound flights. The, uh, the cause of the problem was uh, three air traffic controllers in the Sydney uh, Tower didn't make it through, or rather the Sydney Control Centre. Were, had to cancel out of their shifts at late notice due to illness and uh, air services were unable to get anyone in to replace them and cover for them. So a very similar situation to what's being experienced in the US where uh, air services, sort of the equivalent of the FAA and uh, a bit of a shortage of, of air traffic controllers and air services are denying there is one. Uh, some air traffic controllers are saying there is one. But uh, as noticed, three three fall ill which can happen and unable to get any cover and suddenly you've got aircraft backing up everywhere yeah virgin blues quoted here is saying they're uh, very very unhappy um she's saying they had cancellations and delays uh, some people even had to be accommodated overnight yep uh said uh, planes had circled for at least 45 minutes before landing in sydney uh Qantas flights were delayed for up to an hour yeah that's right it's that's not a good look when you're trying to run an airline and your margins are already pretty tight so i'm not sure do they have any uh ability to hassle air services for a reduction in their fees or you know a bit of a refund well that'd be getting a refund out of the government so i wish them oh, a lot of luck and uh, if they can find a way to do that mate i really hope they share the secret with the rest of us yeah that's true good point <laughs> 
And speaking of things that uh, have been up to now secret, it looks like our glorious Royal Australian Air Force has been uh, playing with some UAVs recently. And, and they're going to be taking delivery of some Heron UAVs, uh, which they've been developing in uh, partnership with the Canadian forces. That's right. They've been working uh, with the Canadian Air Forces and the manufacturer. Uh, so they've been able to get their training alongside Canadian forces uh, in Afghanistan and other parts of the world. According to an article here on Aero News Network, in July 2009, Royal Australian Air Force and Australian Army personnel undertook Heron training in Canada, and they've now been absorbed within the Canadian Heron UAV detachment at Kandahar in uh, Afghanistan. The the Heron's about a one-ton aircraft. It's, it's not small by any means. The Australian Army have been using uh, unmanned aircraft for a while, uh, mostly smaller aircraft uh, carried by a troop or launched off a uh, four-wheel drive. So uh, it's good to see the Australian Air Force keeping up, although for, uh, I'm sure there's a, quite a few of us out here who are not really looking forward to the unmanned pilot aircraft kind of world. Well, yeah, there's been a, a little bit of discussion over in the US, I know, uh, regarding how these aircraft share, uh, I guess, uh, domestic and commercial airspace. Um, and yeah, again, uh, you know everything works all right when it's working all right. But uh, you'd hate for something to, you know, you'd hate for them to have some sort of uh, meltdown or something and and start straying into the path of normal aircraft uh, with all, with all the sort of ramifications that go with that. Yeah, indeed, and that's that's where uh, if if the UAVs are, are being used in a combat area in a military environment, that's one thing where they can have segregation of altitudes and routes and so on. It's a quite a more controlled environment over there. Uh, but uh, working here in Australia with UAVs, you've got to lock off certain areas. So with the military, they can it'd be like an FAD transiting the area. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see where all this goes and what winds up happening with it. Uh, there is with the Global Hawk that they're talking about, the uh, Royal Australian Air Force and the, and the Navy working together on the Global Hawk. Uh, to replace part of the Orion's mission for long endurance missions, surveillance. You can see a need for an aircraft that can loiter and just sit out there for 18, 24 hours. You don't have to worry about bathroom breaks or crew rest areas. It just sits out there and does its job. So combine that with a few manned aircraft and suddenly you've got quite the, uh, the observation platform. Yeah, I've often heard it said in recent years that the next generation of fighter aircraft that are coming along, Grant, are probably going to be the last generation of fully manned aircraft. Um, I guess all of us who are pilots, and I mean, I've never been a military pilot, but everybody will be lamenting uh, the day, you know, when that the time when that comes. I mean, I certainly wouldn't like to see it. Yep, I mean, all those, all those flyboys sitting in bars going, how are we going to pull the chicks now? <laughs> well, anyway, Grant, uh, obviously I think we should do a little bit of a um, campaign here to have it change from the Heron to the McHeron. Oh, here you go. That'd work. Sorry, I had to work that one in there somewhere. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. i got a million of them, mate. Hey, well, the way, the way my uh, flying career is going, it's, yeah, I'm grounded watching everything else fly, so the McCarran UAV, that just works, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a whole new career for them. <laughs> anyway, folks, as we said, it was just a quick report this week, so we know we're getting this in uh, right on the deadline, or probably after the deadline, but uh, I'm sure our good friend Max and, and Rob, I suppose we can spare you a little bit more money and, you know, oh, dude, squeeze I'm this one in. <laughs> Dude, I can't afford to let go another kidney. I really can't. I mean, yes, the Anzus, the great Anzus podcast wars, they've gone and thrown in a uh, preliminary strike trying to beat us across. We're doing a quick retaliation now. But, mate, I've got one last kidney left. I can't sell it for Rob. I'm sorry, Rob. Nice guy and all that, but I need that kidney, dude. 
<laughs> anyway, folks, we'll try and get a better reporting for you in a more timely fashion next week. But until then, I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Catch you later.